Hello, I'm Michael Penny. And I'm William Henry. In this series of podcasts, we're planning to talk about wisdom. So we're going to be focusing particularly on the book of Proverbs, but we'll be looking at other places as well. You know, well, I've often struggled with knowing what wisdom is. I looked it up in a dictionary and one dictionary definition said this, the quality of having experience, knowledge and good judgment, the quality of being wise. Would you agree with that? Well, I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure if it's all that helpful to say that wisdom is the quality of being wise. Doesn't really add anything. But (laughs) the other three words are interesting, though, aren't they? Experience, knowledge, good judgment, especially the last one. I think it's all about exercising good judgment to know how to act in any situation. It's how we apply our knowledge and our experience to our lives. So are you saying that before we can use good judgment, we need both knowledge and experience? To a certain extent, yes. I don't think you can act wisely without some level of knowledge and experience. But I do think, unfortunately, that we can have a lot of knowledge and even experience and still not have the ability to act wisely. But, but experience only comes with age. But what about knowledge? Where can, we, where can we acquire that knowledge that will help us to develop wisdom so we can learn to act wisely? That's a big question, isn't it? There's, there's more information available to us nowadays than at any other time in history, thanks mm-hmm. to Mr. Google and his friends. But <laughs> We need more than knowledge of facts to help us to behave wisely. Besides, also, to what extent can we trust these facts? Because we're living in an age of fake news, Mm. an age of post-truth, an age where everybody has their own truth. Yeah, yeah. In our Western culture at the moment, there's a huge distrust of authority. And some think that the only judgment they can trust is their own. So younger people in particular look to themselves to work out how they should live, which in practice means doing what their peers do. And that's not always wise. No, it can't be healthy, can it? Either for them or for society. So they may have access to a lot of information, but not a lot of experience. Okay, so where does the book of Proverbs come into all this? Well, the book of Proverbs is part of the section in the Old Testament, along with Ecclesiastes and Job and Lamentations as well, which are known as the wisdom books. Proverbs contains a wide range of advice on how to live a valuable, how to live a fruitful life. And the reader's instructed about the pitfalls and the snares that are to be avoided and the kind of attitudes and and ways of life and practices that should be followed. Well, yeah, that, that's probably true. But I have I have struggled with Proverbs. Um, as you know, my degree is in mathematics. And I was interested in the writings of Blaise Pascal, the 17th century, a French philosopher and mathematician who converted to Christianity. He wrote, excuse my French, Les Pensées, which is a collection of fragments or thoughts seemingly put down at random. Many a defense of Christianity. Um, Isn't Proverbs a bit like that? Yeah, well, some of it does read rather randomly. I I think the idea of wisdom runs right through the book of Proverbs, but it's not dealt with exhaustively in one particular place, the different aspects of it. The book hops about from one subject Mm. to another, but 
I suppose that's what you'd expect if it's written by a variety of people at different times and different places. Oh, different people. So who were the different writers? Well, it's a, it's a collection of sayings from a variety of wise men, some of whom are anonymous, and they've tried to give guidance for a worthwhile life. The poetry that's in the book is really magnificent, and the lessons are really delivered very powerfully. A fair bit of humour in it as well. But isn't the general idea that they were all written by Solomon? Yes, the main author appears to be Solomon. Of course, Solomon was famous for his wisdom, which he'd been given by God. And the opening verse of Proverbs attributes what follows from there right up to chapter 22 to Solomon. So Solomon wrote the vast majority of it. And then the next section, which begins in verse 17 of chapter 22, is headed up the sayings of the wise. The wise? That, that's a bit vague, isn't it? Who are these wise? Well, it's not altogether clear, but from Jeremiah, I think it's chapter 18, it's, there seems to be a group who are described as the wise, probably a group of elder, experienced people who provided counsel and supplemented the Lord's teaching through the law and the prophets. So, so for two and a half chapters, we get these sayings of the wise. But then the opening of the next chapter, 25, says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon copied by the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now, Hezekiah, wasn't he one of the good kings? And didn't he do other things? Yes, that's right. Hezekiah reintroduced a number of the practices of David, including singing the Psalms of David and Asaph. You get that in Second Chronicles chapter 29. It seems that part of this restoration of David included a, a fresh consideration of the sayings of David's wise son Solomon. And that appears to cover the material in Proverbs right up to the end of chapter 29. Chapter 30 is attributed to Agur, the son of Jackie, and uh, chapter 31 is written by King Lemuel, although Lemuel admits in the first verse of chapter 31 that he was taught these sayings by his mother. Ah, <laughs> that's interesting. So if Proverbs was written by such a diverse group of people, Solomon, a group called the Wise, Agar, and Lemuel, with the help of his mother, who were they writing for? What was their intended readership? A lot of the instructions that are in the book are the advice of a father, or I suppose in the case of Lemuel, the advice of a mother to a son. And the reader is addressed as my son. I think it's 23 times in Proverbs. And then in addition to that, there's a number of places where the actions or the attitudes of a wise son are set in contrast with the attitudes of a foolish son. But this was written a couple of thousand or more years ago. So is any of that advice relevant to young people in the 21st century? Well, I think a lot of the issues that are discussed are relevant to a young person or anybody growing up in any society. The dangers of adultery, the dangers of excessive drinking, the problems of mixing with bad company. But I think in Proverbs, the sons that are being spoken to are people who are expected to play a quite responsible role in society. First part of chapter 31 is devoted to 
to providing advice for kings and talks about integrity in business dealings and generosity is praised as well. There's also the great, a great deal written about the merits of a noble wife, a wife who has discretion and is able to manage the estate. Okay, but what about the rest of society? Men and women who are not in positions of responsibility are not going to be in positions of responsibility. Well, obviously, I think the dangers of adultery and excessive drinking and bad company are applicable to everybody, the poor people as well as, as rich people. However, I think the, the poor man as such is not addressed in Proverbs, but he is expected to be looked after by those for whom the book is written. Ah, oh, that figures, yeah. Because the law of Moses was very keen on Israel looking after its poor, the widows and the fatherless. It really was the first welfare state. Yes, it was. And, and the book of Proverbs is written to those who will be in a position to play a role in directing the national life of Israel to a greater or lesser extent. When the Lord promised Solomon anything he wanted, everybody knows he chose the gift of wisdom because he recognized how important that was to govern a nation well. But that brings me back to where we began. What precisely is meant by wisdom in the context of the book of Proverbs? Well, as we were saying, wisdom in the book of Proverbs doesn't relate to the acquisition of information or getting an education. In the opening chapter of the book, the benefits of this kind of wisdom are set out. It says here, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just mm -hmm. and fair, giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Yes, you got a good idea of the meaning of wisdom by seeing the other words associated with it. Let me have a look now. It's linked with a discipline, insight, prudence, doing what is right and fair, discretion, discernment, and guidance. Yeah, that's right. All the great areas in which you have to use judgment. It's interesting that discipline is mentioned twice in that list. One wouldn't normally associate discipline with wisdom, would one? I suppose you can't really be wise if you're not disciplined, can you? I mean, there may be some practices you want to build into your routines. I and mean, you can never lose weight if you keep giving in to the temptation to munch on chocolate. Ah, so that's my problem. Okay, thank you. Also, the wisdom of some uh, teachings only become fully apparent if you persevere with them and refuse to be sidetracked. It's no good looking for shortcuts. Wisdom is not about instant gratification, is it? But it's all about deferred contentment. To gain wisdom, you need to be prepared to wait and work. Yeah, exactly. So the subject here that we're looking at is practical wisdom, isn't it? It's wisdom in action, wisdom that provides discernment and discretion to those who are wise enough to heed its advice. Wisdom doesn't force herself on anybody, but those who disregard it do so, I think, at their peril. So when you've got 31 chapters here and in there, the way of wisdom and the way of folly are set out before us and contrasted. 
Okay, so although written a very long time ago to a very different culture, there is a timelessness about the situations Proverbs describes, and the advice is as relevant today as it was originally written. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. So the wisdom of Proverbs is the wisdom about insight, prudence, discretion, and discernment. It gives guidance for practical living, but what is the point of possessing wisdom? True, most of us would rather be described as wise rather than foolish, but what practical difference does it make to the quality of our lives? Well, the writers of Proverbs describe a number of benefits that wisdom brings, and they use really striking imagery. And the fundamental message of the book of Proverbs is that it's only by acquiring wisdom that a man or woman can live a life that is worthwhile. Mm. You talk about imagery, and it's interesting that Lemuel wrote some of his wife's sayings with the help of his mother. But doesn't Proverbs portray wisdom as a woman. Yes, wisdom is personified as a beautiful woman and the benefits mm. of embracing her are mm. set out before us. She calls out in the streets, offering prudence to the simple and the understanding and to the foolish. In chapter eight, she speaks truth and detests wickedness. Nothing anyone can desire can compare with her. She bestows wealth on those who walk with her and love her. In verse 21 of chapter eight. She invites us to eat her food, drink the wine she has prepared, and to walk in the way of understanding. When you look at Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon really speaks of her value there. Okay, let me read that. I like what Solomon says in Proverbs 3, 13 to 18. This is what he writes. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Yes, who could resist a woman like that? (laughs) Individuals who prize this kind of wisdom allow her to be their guiding light. And that's a light to establish their values, their goals, what they're aiming at, their priorities, and also, I suppose, how they should act on a daily basis. Okay, so what will be the benefits of doing all this? Does Proverbs say anything about these benefits? Well. From the verses you read there, I think people get huge benefits from pursuing wisdom, long, peaceful, fulfilling life. It's considering how to live. Those who are wise always look beyond the immediate and they try to work out what the likely outcome of a particular course of action is going to be further down the line. Yeah, but the sad fact is that our own culture is not one that is focused on the long term. We live in a fast food society and short-termism abounds. Doesn't society in general, politicians in particular, look for immediate results? Yeah, well, politicians of all parties find it hard to think beyond the next vote. Yeah, but I do think Western culture, the one we live in, 
is very much focused on the moment. Consumerism, the transient nature of sexual relationships, even personal identity is something that you can choose for yourself and change at a whim. It's really all about constantly changing images rather than any substance behind them. I think that all of these are having a corrosive effect on the mental and physical well-being of millions of people who follow this type of lifestyle. Those who embrace wisdom can see that it's not sensible to look for instant gratification without considering the long-term consequences. Yes, but also I think many people, especially our younger generation, think that the future is pretty uncertain, isn't it? Mm. We've got COVID, Mm. we've got climate change, to mention a lack of job security as well. So what future can we be sure of? So I think it's understandable in some ways that there's so much emphasis on the moment and on the experiences that you're having. But how do you decide what experiences are worth having and what are not? Well, the the criterion, if you like, nowadays seems to be if it feels good, do it. Yeah. And then further down the line, people discover that it wasn't such a good idea, even though it felt good. I suppose that's where wisdom of the past might have helped if only people had taken note of it. That's right. But I think there's another issue here, too, which is one also that we touched on earlier, and that's the whole problem of authority. Nowadays, people don't trust institutions and other authority figures. So who would they be prepared to trust to have the knowledge and experience to teach them wisdom? Yeah, that's true. I don't think there's ever been a generation that has thrown out all the accumulated and past wisdom of society created over hundreds of years to the extent that we have thrown it out and ignored it. Yes, I think to this generation, the source of wisdom is within ourselves. Having somebody tell you what to do is the probably the unforgivable sin these days. And the problem is that the younger you are, the less real wisdom is likely to be there. Mm. You've got limited knowledge. You've got no experience. No wonder there's so much stress around. It's a heavy burden for people to bear if the only wisdom or only source of wisdom is within themselves. Yeah, if we have any sense, we will look for and ultimately appreciate the long-term benefits that follows from acquiring wisdom and using it to guide our conduct. It's not only for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of others and the benefit of society, our family, and the people we live and work with. Yes, that's true. And I find these verses about the benefits of wisdom extremely encouraging. Um, The proverb says this in chapter four, it says, esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. And how about these words from Proverbs chapter 18, 17 to 21? This is what wisdom says of ourselves. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. 
Okay then, from these verses, wisdom will provide us with wealth and prosperity, but it also talks about righteousness and justice, doesn't it? So as she said, living with lady wisdom brings blessings on others too. Proverbs, I think at times, says things, it's really hard hitting, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. In Proverbs chapter 4, we find David's instruction to Solomon, who was to succeed him on the throne. And they're pretty blunt. This is what um, David says in uh, Proverbs 4, verses 5 to 7. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So wisdom is the priority then. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. But a lot of what we've considered today and a lot of what we've been discovering has been in general terms, showing the importance of wisdom. So if wisdom doesn't come from within ourselves, where does it come from? Also, we haven't talked about what sort of things are wise and what sort of things are not wise. Although taking a long-term view seems a good idea. We dealt with that. However, as we have mentioned, a lot of the book of Proverbs is framed as advice of a father to a son. But isn't this the kind of advice any sensible father might give to his son? Yes, I suppose any decent father would realize that if his son has a sensible, a disciplined approach to life, then that's going to greatly increase its quality, probably its length as well. And it's going to result in prosperity, all other things being equal. But is there more to it than that? And where does God come into it? How does God come into it? Ah, that's a good question. We haven't dealt with that. The scriptures generally, and Proverbs in particular, teach that the acknowledgement of God is central to any true wisdom. That's something we didn't discuss today, and that's something we will discuss next time. Okay? Thank you for listening.